Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's a very special Independence Day here in the United States of America episode, and joined by friend of the show, uh, Harris, from one... You know, that's silly. He's going to be an enemy of the show, and we're going to have him on, and we're going to go... Anyway, so Harris from One Penny at a Time podcast. How are you doing, man? What's up? Doing great. Thank you so much for always having me on, Ross. You know, it's always good to have a little bit of stock talk on this beautiful 4th of July. Hopefully it's not over 100 degrees today, but we'll take what we can. Yeah, here in Chicago, it's uh, it's been a b- little bit rough. Uh, not as bad as Florida. And speaking of down that way, you, uh, we've never talked about this. I've never really heard you talk about it. So uh, you're f- lived, I don't know, are you from or how would you describe it? You lived in Puerto Rico. For I, I hope you like those are rolling. I did that specially for you. <laughs> the agua, <laughs> dude. Uh, I and tra- traer. I forget the word. No, sip. That means to bring. Sip of the agua. Yes. Como se dice sip of the agua in español, señor. Beber. Beber. There it is. I asked them, how do you say? Okay, enough of the Spanish talk. We're not going to go that deep here. So, what's it like in Puerto Rico? With it being Independence Day, um, was there any kind of nod to that did people recognize it um tell me a little bit about port puerto rico and uh, how long you were there like going through the schooling system was personal finance ever a thing does anybody really talk about stocks there fill us in sure so i lived there from age five up until age 19. so originally i was born in new york moved to puerto rico when i was five um pretty good years there um it's a it's a very simple life i lived in a very small town in the in the southwest coast of puerto rico it's a big beach town uh schooling system eh, that's just i'm gonna leave it at that it's not it's not the best um no financial literacy in school no no stock talk it's funny one of the very first times i ever heard somebody talk about stocks um one of my best friends his grandma his grandparents were cuban and german so they had they had a big factory in New York and they had retired. And then in 2008, I saw his grandmother cry and I'm like, what's going on? She's like, the stock market crashed and we had too much in the stock market and now we're effed. So that's actually one of the very first talks I've ever had about the stock market. And at that time, I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. But now I'm looking at it, it's like, ooh, and think about it. Somebody who had their nest egg into that and like their whole retirement and it's gone in a second. So, you know, that's, it's kind of weird you say that, but I remember my mom and hearing other people saying like, I'm pulling the money, I'm pulling the money out. Like, this is what the hell, you know, our retirement money is gone. It's all. And even then I remember, and I don't know if, if you think of that now and, and you could tell people is that, well, it's only gone if you sell. And especially if you have like broad based mutual funds, like it's going to come back, it's going to be okay. So uh, I know a lot of adults that ended up freaking selling and they're like, I'm going to wait till the market recovers. And that's right. That's that whole timing the market thing, which is just so hard to do. It is. And if you want to kind of go recent, I mean, I don't really consider this a full crash, but obviously last October, I was still pretty much starting. And I know there's people who are like sweating it out. Um, I think the biggest thing to look at is your timeline. If do you need this money in five years? No, ignore 
keep working, keep going, take that opportunity to stack up more, to be honest. So I want to, I 2020, I didn't get to go through that. Obviously I got to, I got to see a lot of the news and watch people react to it, but then it literally was like the biggest recovery. It was like the quickest recovery ever. So I actually want to see how I would handle mentally a real crash that lasts a couple years or were linear for a couple years. I think it'd be, I think it'd be a lot of lessons that I can learn. And, you know, as an investor, you keep learning and you keep developing yourself into the better you. So I'm actually excited for one of those. You know, it's kind of weird to say that and see what it comes out of it. Yeah, I do it 100%. And so were you investing during um, the pandemic crash of 2020 then or? No. So for me at the time, um, I was solely focused on saving all all funds to get our home that we have today because um, I live, you know, I live in Austin and I knew that the test, the Tesla Giga plant was opening up here in Austin. I saw this as an opportunity. It's like if I can get in before this thing opens up, that is going to leave more profit and more opportunity for me to use that money than I would at the stock market. And I literally scoured our, I mean, weeks and months of research to find the perfect location and where we moved. It has an Amazon warehouse five minutes from us. It has a high school a minute from us and Tesla's 15 minutes from us. The value in the house has already gone up six figures. I don't think I would have done that with the stock market. So that was my main priority during the pandemic. Has that been your best investment so far? I mean, dude, that that sounds like you you nailed it. You looked at, so it kind of reminds me of Wayne Gretzky. He has a famous mm-hmm. saying, he doesn't skate to where the puck has been. He skates to where it's going. So you kind of mm-hmm. skated yourself over to where people might likely be going, right? Yeah. And at the time, you know, not only with Tesla, but um, Oracle and all these companies were moving a lot of their operation to Texas overall. Uh, Samsung is building in Taylor, Texas, a a gigafactory and all these companies are doing this here. So for me, it's like I saw that as the opportunity. It's like if I don't get in now, I don't think I'll be ever to ever get in or it'd be very hard to get in. So that was a bigger priority. And I was still following the stock market and I was still learning and, you know, watching a bunch of content creators and learning. So that way, when I was ready, you know, I'd have a good fit for it. But the bigger opportunity was with gaining real estate. And then if we ever want to move to a bigger house or do that, we have so much equity, then that's just going to make it even easier to then move to the bigger house or move to another city or whatever you want to do. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really awesome to hear. And she goes to anybody listening. I mean, there's always a trade-off if you have money over here, well, it's, there's a cost of it not doing something over there. So you know, we're kind of looking at the same thing. We have a house that was built in the seventies, early seventies. And, um, I've been kind of putting off doing some updating and repairing. So we're kind of looking around and be like, you know, this place is a dump. Like it's like falling into disrepair. So, and I'm like, yeah, but our investment portfolio, look, we're almost at six figures in the taxable. So it's a, do you ever think about that? So we're, we're reaching a point where I may have to be taking a chunk of that money to, update our house invest I, I look at it as an investment like if we're upgrading and updating and beautifying this dump hole that really, it's not that bad i'm playing but um no. but that's a real life thing where you know these real life situations crop up and back in the day when the crash happened i was investing i was a dividend investor and it was just like they say being a kid in a candy store there was so many things that were just 
stupidly cheap. And, you know, like I wish to God I bought more McDonald's. And I, I hear you talk about that, right? That's one of the ones you'd love to get in, but it's just never, it's never comes down hardly. It doesn't. And last year, I had the chance. I remember it was in two, it was in the two twenties after the whole uh, Russia closure because that was um, that was a really big that was a pretty decent amount of profits for McDonald's. McDonald's had a really big presence in Russia, and I said, you know what? At that time, I said I my thought process was I think this can go lower because I think that maybe once some, a couple earning reports come out that may affect it. Wrong, but that's where you go. You don't know what the market's going to do. I think eventually, maybe the end of the year, I'll just pull the plug and start with it. But what I'll have to do in McDonald's is just to do it in smaller chunks and lay like $25, $50 amounts and just build it up over time. If not, I mean, McDonald's is almost 300 bucks at this point. So it's like, how much more am I going to wait for it? If it ever goes down to a significant amount, then we kind of put more money to it. But even just starting in a smaller batch, that's just the way to kind of get into it. That was actually a really good piece of advice. My friend from Twitter, Tom, the savings captain gave me, he goes, this is just one stock that you just got to suck up and pay a little bit more for it. And I know for you, it was the same deal with Pepsi. It was when you're doing your, your weekly challenge and it's like, you know, you're sucking up for it, but that one paid out pretty good for you in the long run. Yeah, so far. And that, and it's funny, even though I, I learned a lesson with Pepsi, I still don't apply it to other ones. And I, I you know, you guys that listen, you know, I keep saying that, Dude, I was looking at valuations and when I was buying it at like 140 or 141, people, you know, whatever you look at, Pepsi's really overvalued. It's stupidly overvalued, too expensive. Wait for it to get down below 120. And I remember thinking, you know what? I'm going to see what happens. Maybe I'm buying it way at the tippy tippy top. But and then sure enough, like not too long ago, it was almost $200 a share. And I'd love it to be back in the 140s. I'd probably start adding some more. So it's kind of like you highlighted, man, perfectly. You have to pay up for premium sometime. You have to pay up for uh, for that quality. Uh, f- by the way, do you eat McDonald's? Do you go to the Mickey D's? Um, I, I will admit, I still do. We're not French judging. Fries are the best. We're not judging. French fries are the best, but also, it's going to sound crazy, but McDonald's has their own recipe for Coke, and their Coke is superior to anybody else. I want to know. I I've heard that, and that's right. They got to be put. Do you know what it is? I mean, it's a big old secret, right? It's a secret. Um, I forgot what somebody had mentioned that. And I could be completely wrong on this. So please don't quote me. McDonald's has a specific measurement for their the width of the straw hole, where apparently carbonation comes up at the exact at the perfect way for the carbonation to change the flavoring of it. That's what I've heard. I wouldn't doubt it because, you know, food is a science, right? So who knows? But I wouldn't be surprised with it. But I know for sure McDonald's gets their own recipe for syrup. Oh, man, that's it. Now I've got to get on the inside. I'm going to go get a be a fry guy at McDonald's just so I can find out <laughs> incessantly asking questions about the, the mixture for the soda. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh Oh, by the way, stupid random things just happen to flitter into my head. Do you know the McFlurries, the spoons there? They got that hole on the top? Yes. Yeah, do you know what that's for? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because I've seen, I've seen my own relations try to drink through that hole. <laughs> like flurry. Honestly, do you know what that's um, for? I don't. And the only reason why I don't know is I'm not really big to getting like milkshakes or ice creams. But whenever I do feel like it, the damn machine's always broken, so I never get my opportunity to. Yeah. So uh, what it's for is that's how they they mix it. So instead of like having a, ba- a a beater or a mixer that they have to continually clean, they just made the spoon that they give to the person. The, you know what I mean. So they just stick that on, and then the spoon swirls it all around, and then they give it to you. So, ah, kind of clever. Go. Somebody's thinking at McDonald's. So, <laughs> so we do they have McDonald's in Puerto? I'm sure they have them in Puerto Rico, right? Oh, they do. Um, it's really funny in my my town. There's only one McDonald's. It opened in 1997, and I remember this because when I moved there is just when they opened it. And it was like, this was like if the Pope came to town. This is how big of a deal this was. Like I said, my my town, there's like, what, maybe 20,000 people. It's a very small town. It's like the first Burger King came there in like 2008, I think. Um, so it's not big deal. There's no Wendy's there. There's no Chipotle there. It's very, 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 you know, small town. You go there, um, in the, in the actual town of it, there's one house there that is not allowed to be destroyed. It is from like the late 1880s, but that's, it shows how it was living back on the Island even before it was, you know, Americanized to be completely or colonized to be completely honest. And, it's it's like a landmark and there's a lot of it's it's it was very interesting honestly living in Puerto Rico it's a very it's very chill life obviously the some drawbacks are you know the crime rate is very high there and you know cost of living is ridiculous a gallon of milk in Puerto Rico is $7.50 Min- minimum wage is $7.25 and most most places they're paid minimum wage so it's very hard to live there overall Oh, that, but you know, I mean, it's amazing that it's like you speak to the, just the power of why McDonald's is so expensive. It's that brand loyalty. People all over the world love it. Dude, we ate at McDonald's because I wanted to just take the kids there for funsies one, one day when we were in uh, Dublin, we went to one of the Mm -hmm. McDonald's in Dublin. And interestingly, a lot of people there were eating like the healthier food. I saw people eating, you know, wraps and salads and just not so much of the, you know, for deep fried stuff. Maybe that's here in America. I don't know. That's our culture. Yeah. But but yeah, and, and then one last thing about the business of McDonald's is that's, again, when you have that brand loyalty, you have pricing power and businesses like McDonald's have been able to increase their prices as inflation is going up and people are paying it. So that's why the stock price of McDonald's keeps going up because they're raising their prices. They're making more money. Their earnings are going up. And, you know, as we like to say that the stock price follows earnings. So if Mm -hmm. over time, right. Um, 
who's the, uh, it's not Buffett. Graham had that quote, right? That uh, over the short term, the market's a uh, voting machine and over the long term, it's a weighing machine. So that was my philosophy with PepsiCo. I'm like, I think these guys, everywhere I look, people are eating Lay's and drinking the soda and just they're, they're so diversified. So it really can be that easy in investing. And um, do you ever get the feeling, right? Like some, some uh, not singling anybody out, but some places really try to overcomplicate investing and in, in the market, right? Yeah. And I think for me, right, my rule number one when it comes to investing is do is it a monopoly or do I use this product every day? It's the first thing I have to ask myself. And if I don't use this product every day, okay, then let's dig down and how can this maybe get to me one day? It's like the way I like to think about it. Um, sometimes I see with investing, obviously I, I look at a couple stats. I like to look at pay, dividend payout ratio. I'll look at 52 week low and high. I'll look at PE, you know, the PE compared to S&P, PE compared to the sector in general and look at five-year median. So I am lately I've been getting more into that, but sometimes you look at this and then you look at McDonald's, you look at Costco, you look at waste management. I'm, I'm just using examples here of, you know, companies with higher PE ratios. If you're to go solely off these metrics, you're probably not going to invest in it because it's overvalued. Sometimes you just need to take away all the fancy numbers and color charts and red, green, yellow, and look at Costco is such a strong business. Every time, I, I don't think I've ever seen Costco dead once that I've ever been there. McDonald's, they have, um, I think I think at this point, I think they either close to or have reached 40,000 restaurants. I'm not 100% sure, but with McDonald's, um, I forgot what the number was, but I think 95% of it is franchise, if I'm not mistaken. And for the fran their franchising fees, the royalty fees, McDonald's owns the land for the most part. And the their way they make money is genius it's it's you know it's a secret it's a REIT but without the tax implications and then you look at waste management trash is never gonna go away it's just, just that's just simple as I'm gonna do that and you even want to look at it on a branding standpoint you look at a dumpster you look at a truck you know it's waste management and even even with trash you can build a powerful brand by doing something so simple with color schemes and that and sometimes you need to look at it that way it's like are they going to go away in the next 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 100 years? You never know, right? Because if you, if I would have gone back to the year 2000, and I asked this to my dad recently because he's not really big into investment. And I'll ask him, dad, if I would have asked you 20 years ago, would Sears be standing today? He goes, nobody would touch Sears. You know, you never know. But I feel confident those businesses will stand the test of time. As somebody that did use Sears back in the day, I, you know, mm -hmm. I hate to say I'm a little bit older, but I guess I am. It's all relative. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you didn't know how old you are, would you know how old you were is how the butchering of that saying goes. I heard Ice Cube use it on Joe Rogan's podcast. And I thought, oh, that'd be slick. And then right here, it's, I'm like, I'm going to use it and it's like my brain's like stop you're messing it up mm -hmm. <laughs> well you know with sears i mean it's kind of funny with sears two things i mean to me as a kid i remember kenmore i mean my dad would literally swear by that tool brand for everything and i remember my dad saying uh well, i think kenmore sold it to either home depot or lowe's no, i think you lowe's. mean craftsman craftsman i'm sorry yeah. i thought of the wrong thing you had but... for a second i was like kenmore made tools i don't remember that i'm but right. out of the loop Craft See this this um this shows you how handy I am in the house. My wife does all the handiwork, so 
I just I just showed myself and I'll be the first one to say that. So you're holding the flashlight when she's repairing things. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. The, the, when my dad came to visit, when we got the house, my dad, we went to Home Depot and he got us this really cool Ryobi toolkit. And he literally looks at me and goes, not for you. Looks at my wife for you. Oh. Gets her it. And then he gives me, gives me the flashlight. Go, this is as much as I'm going to let you touch. And that's exactly what it is. I hold the flashlight and she's, She's a genius with doing anything with anything repair wise. So I don't touch that aspect of it. But, you know, I remember my dad saying when Sears sold her tool brand, it's like there's nothing left here. That yeah. was the last thing holding him through. And if, even if I go back to Sears in like the late 90s, they used to have a video game section. That's actually how I got my first Pokemon game was at Sears. And I remember this still. I never forget that. And, you know, such a powerful name. And it just it went away. Oh, don't say that name in the 90s, dude. I, I look now because for all of those of you that are not in the loop, the original Pokemon, especially cards, I tweeted out uh, one of the Pauls, Jake Paul or Logan Paul, he, he yep. had a fight or he was at a fight. No, he had a mm -hmm. fight and he has like, uh, you probably know, it's the, like the, the, some, six, the $6 million Charizard. Just, <laughs> he wears it on a gold chain. He, it's mm -hmm. encased in like acrylic. It's sealed, but yes. he's flexing a freaking Pokemon card. Dude, I worked at Service Merchandise, which was, a, I, it's, a lot of people might not know what that was, but when I would go there and Toys R, I remember seeing all this Pokemon cards and thinking like, this is so dumb. I'm buying these football cards instead. Um, my God, if I could just go back in time and just buy those boxes, keep them sealed. I probably could retire right now, you know, but hey. I, I had a lot of Pokemon merch as a kid that are worth a lot of money today. But back then, you don't know. My mom's like, oh, you're you're, you're grown up now. Get rid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm there. Obviously, I have the plushies back there. I still have one of my original plushies from when I was a kid in pretty good condition. But I'm never it, I'm never getting rid of it. That's a forever hold. And, and, and you know what? It's like my, 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 my parents say, oh, it's a phase. You'll grow out of it. As I, you know, as I was having my morning coffee, I'm never growing out of it. Nope. Don't do it. Don't do it, man. Absolutely you, know, you, not. you speak to something awesome. Cause that, that can tie into investing and, um, in the stock market, I mean, things that are in demand, but scarce have more value. So when everybody's throwing away their football and sporting cards in the sixties and seventies, all the parents, and then everybody in the late, when I started collecting in the late 80s and early 90s, we saved everything. Guess what? Those aren't worth that much. But but when stuff is in demand, but there's less of them, price goes up. Exactly why companies, when they're buying back shares, the price goes up. But if they're just diluting it and everybody can have it because it's available, then the price is going to go down. So uh, I'll just exactly. use that as a really, really rough segue into asking you because I have it bullet pointed on my sheet. Bullet pointed? See, there's that Cook County education coming through. Education. <laughs> so what's been one of the big mentality shifts? What's something that just in your short time as an investor, what are you thinking differently? So I, I love this because you're a lot younger than me, but mm -hmm. what, um, it, it doesn't matter. It's all experience. Yeah. So what's changed? What's, what's something that's changed for you? Absolutely. And before I answer that question, I want to go a quick second to the buybacks and how buybacks are so important. Mm -hmm. One of my holdings, uh, Discover Financial Services, ticker symbol DFS, they have reduced their share count 49% in the last decade. And that's how like valuable like it brings. And 
I look for companies like that. Discover has done a really good job with that. I know Kroger's done a pretty good job of buying back shares. But Discover, though, it's like it's a stock that I don't see a lot of people talking about. And the best way I like to talk about Discover is obviously, you know, like there's the shows like Dave Ramsey where people talk about all their credit card debt and stuff. There's another show that I personally like to watch. This is have you ever heard of Caleb Hammer? Uh no, I don't believe I have. Is he the this, credit this card guy, guy on YouTube? One of them? Um so kind of it's think about it as the kind of the same concept of what Dave Ramsey does, but in a more real and realistic sense. So he's this more straight up with you. This kid started on YouTube last year. He got 500,000 followers in a year. And if you watch his show, it's like people talking about their finances and their budgeting. And it's the same concept as Ramsey, but I love watching it because sometimes you see some of these decisions that people are like six figures and credit card debt and most of them have discover credit cards so that's like one of my bold thesis like okay this is why i like to invest in discover but they've done they're, they have really good stats overall um 17 dividend increase this year buying back shares like crazy so just wanted to put a plug in for that but overall let's talk about what has been my shift in the last year um a couple things when i started i thought having more companies was better um i learned that it was becoming too much and I wasn't building out my positions like I like them to. So I think at one point I was at like 31. Now I'm at like 23. So it's, I mean, it's not that much of a shift, but I, I like the Coke, Pepsi's, Procter and Gamble's and all of those things. And same with utility companies, same with industrial uh, things in the industrial sector. I ETF them out through sector ETFs and it's worked better for me. I still get exposure to the companies that I know that would be so hard for me to build out, like Pepsi, John Deere, uh, Lockheed Martin, Costco. I know Costco's in the one for consumer staples. It would be impossible for me to build those out individually, but as an ETF, it worked out wonders for me. So that's one of the things. My second thing that I shifted my mindset to when I first started investing was PATI goals, uh, projected annual dividend income. So for me, it was all about reaching that $50 mark, $100 mark. Mm -hmm. I still use it as like, like a benchmark inspiration, but now I'm kind of shifting to total return is more important and getting that mixture of stock appreciation and patty. There's some stocks that they have their job, right? That you know that they're not going to get appreciation. You kind of have to wait for the right time to buy them and you kind of buy for income and then you look at in a total return, it'll be good. But I'm starting to shift a little bit more to focus a little bit less about focusing so heavily on like how much this thing, how, what the yield is or how much this pays out, but more focusing on is like, what's the appreciation looking like and what's the dividend growth looking like. So like Kroger is like my best example for that. I think Kroger yields like 2.5 right now. And people I've had discussions like, oh, that's pretty low. It's like, I'm not looking at it for now. I'm looking at this on a 10 year when we can look at, um, yield on cost. And that's kind of what I'm trying to a little bit fo focus my mindset to. That's why I have like Discover. I mentioned Kroger. Um, what else do I have like that? That's a pretty good compounder. Lowe's is, a, I mean, Lowe's is a king, but Lowe's is a pretty good compounder. Target, obviously Target's a little bit different, but I mean, they had a pretty good run until obviously they have a couple things they need to fix, <laughs> which I agree with. I'm kind of glad they did a 1.9 increase this year mm -hmm. because they got other, they got other problems they got to fix. And now it kind of thinks to me, is like, I, I have AT&T still in the portfolio. AT&T, I'm lucky. My cost on it is like $15.80. I only have like 10 shares of it. I only add to AT&T if it reaches low 15s or under 15. And that's kind of how I've been doing it. But I come to the point, it's like, is it even worth doing it 
if I if it gets to like 18, 19 a share, yield on you know, the total return will look decent, but it's like, is it is it worth it? And that's something I need to have a conversation with myself about. All very good things. And what I love is how you've, you know, in we change a little bit and we're allowed to change. Mm-hmm. And I tell people this, and I've had people push back and say, you know, you know, way back when you said this. But the smart thing is if if you have new information and new experience, that should shape what you're doing right now and into the future. I think it would just be so silly to say, well, I th- I'm thinking differently about things now, but because I said something three years ago, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do this thing that I think might be a better path. And that's that's yeah. part of the joy and the fun of what we're doing and everybody watching that shares your thoughts and your comments with us because it helps us learn and grow as investors. And that's the part of this community, like the whole community aspect is you know, we're not professionals. We're not experts. We're trying to figure this thing out and learn and grow and share what we're learning with everybody else. And, you know, I just love that where you are now kind of shifting more toward ETFs and, you know, just that's what right, that's what's right for you right now. And it feels right. And it's just part of that whole psychology. And when I was listening to you talk, it was making me think how, and I don't play golf. Do you play golf? Um, does top golf count? I, I don't know. Sure. It counts. <laughs> hey, uh, I mean, have a couple beers and whack some balls. I mean, yeah. that's as close as I'm going to get. Well, we do some things like that. Golf's not involved, but um, <laughs> so uh, what I was going to say before you put that fantastic thought into my <laughs> is that it's kind of like golf where it's more or less a game against yourself. And I think investing is a game against yourself. It's mental. It's psychological about, well, cause think of it, right? What are the only, I think there's only two things that we can control or we have control over is what we buy and what we sell, you know, when and what we buy and when and what we sell. Really, we have no control over anything else. Dividend increases, management decisions, just how long you're going to hold something and when when you decide to buy it, right? Yeah. The main thing, at least I can say from my original theory that still hasn't changed, is I'll see investors who will build up their dry powder funds and maybe not put money into the market. I still have the belief that I don't care whether the market's green, yellow, red, purple, magenta. I'm going to make the same contributions every two weeks, no matter what happens. Once it gets to a point where it's a pretty sizable portfolio, then maybe what I'll do is that out of my contribution, 75% I'll put in and then maybe put 25% into a dry powder fund. Because I do want to maybe have that up one day. But right now, I'm just trying to gather assets and build this up. And no matter what happens, that's something that I won't change because it's a behavior, right? Because then if I'm not investing into the market, because, oh, you know what, it's on a run up, I want to wait. That's timing the market, in my opinion. And And then at that point, if everything is kind of going up into a green, it's like, okay, well, I can average up on ETFs. I still want to get build ups and get some contributions in because you're missing out on gains potentially and that's that's something that has not changed for me still nice nice man you know you said we just we don't know what's going to happen in the future the (laughs) the most important information and data for investors is tomorrow and unfortunately we don't have access to that information as of yet you know i know some people are working on it so that's fantastic. And I want to ask you what then you, you kind of listed a few. What is your favorite? Um, give me, I, you don't have to go deep, just a couple 
stocks that you're looking at or ticker symbols that you're looking at buying right now? What's your kind of your thing right now? So as far as like new positions or adding to the portfolio? Anything, whatever, whatever. You pick, dealer's Um, choice. Okay, so if I'm going to go in the portfolio, um, recently uh, Kroger, Vici, and Target were getting a lot of funds for me. Um, Right now, month of July, ETF only month. I'm only going to contribute to ETFs with the exception of the $12 I put into Starbucks yesterday because I spent $12 at Starbucks over the weekend. So it's only fair to match that. But um, right now- Thank you, by the way. Thank you as a Starbucks shareholder. I appreciate that. (laughs) No, absolutely. But right now- I'm literally looking at this month to either make it just making it a VTI month, a VU month, a QQQM month, and then my sector ETFs. And for SCHD, other than I still, I do weekly, the weekly challenge into it. My exposure to to SCHD is a little bit higher than I like it to be. So I want to build out some of the other ETFs to kind of balance things out a little bit better. So honestly, six hold, I'm really going to focus on the five to six holdings in my portfolio. As far as what I'm looking at that I have sitting in the watch list, it's McDonald's, which has been there since the beginning of the year. ADC, which is Agree Realty. Um, the reason why I haven't pulled the trigger on that is just because I'm still, I want to build out what I have still. So I'm not really in a rush to add something new. And I've kept Comcast on there. If it ever, I have a, a price alert on it. If it ever hits, then I'll look at it. But like I said, a telecom, I'm not really in a rush to add to that sector, but um, it does have exposure to Nintendo. So that's kind of why I always kind of keep it in the back of my mind. Nintendo's an interesting pick. That's one that I think a lot of people don't realize is a dividend paying stock. It is. It's a very it's a variable paying dividend. And it's one of those where I think one day I'll buy like a couple shares just to say I own it because I'm I've been a user of the product since as long as I can remember and I still am. What I want to see with video games it's that direct to consumer, and there's a big shift into that. Um, GameStop, I don't think GameStop lasts another five years, and I'm going to give you an honest, really deep, honest opinion. And the profit margins on companies doing the, you know, buying through their e store is so much higher. And then that just it makes the games profitable quicker, and it's just so much more available to that. And it's just they're 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 even doing this thing where they're offering more content. Hey, you buy it from us. We'll give you this extra costume for the character. We'll give you this extra map, give you this extra character. And that's how you create value to get people to buy it from you instead of going to the brick and mortar. And I think there's going to be a shift with that. So you're talking, you're talking about like the extra costumes and things is, are you saying uh, when people buy directly from Nintendo or buying through GameStop's uh, online? I mean, GameStop does do that, but I've been seeing though, like with like, they're going to video game companies are going to start doing this with like PlayStation, Xbox, all these, they're going to start creating more value. Why you should buy it through their server instead of going to the store. Also one of the big selling points is a lot of companies will let you pre download the game before it comes out. That way, once it's released, you can instantly play it without having to wait for the time. So there, I think that's going to be a big shift. Also, Nintendo is starting to, they're trying to experiment with like mobile, like, you know, pay to play, like mobile app, mobile apps and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of the money is right now in video games, to be completely honest. Yeah, man. Great point. I, it's funny how we <laughs> somehow went on to GameStop. And I agree. I, I think yeah. there's so many people that are going to get burned. They're just playing that game. And I like, like we said, and we'll, we'll end it with that is that stocks always follow earnings it's just it's like an immutable law of nature it has to you can go like we're seeing maybe three four five years where it doesn't it's a voting machine but like ben graham god rest his soul i mean 
if a company has declining or no earnings for 10 years, I don't see how they're, you know, um, otherwise they're just buying a story and people are going to lose patience. So really good mm-hmm. thought. I like, I like that. It makes me think more about Microsoft. that They're just going to start selling direct to the consumer. Just buy right Apple. from us. You get it immediately and you're playing, you know, no worries. And then Apple, I mean, you look at these companies, it's like, you know, these compounders and I mean, Apple just hit, what, what was it? It was like 3 trillion in the market. This week. Yeah. So Harris, what, uh, where can people reach you? What do you got going on on the pod? Give us a little bit of the inside scoop. What do you got coming up? What you cooking sure. over there? Sure. So uh, July is going to be a fun month. Next month in August, it's the one year of the podcast. Episode 50, I've secured a really big guest. I'm keeping that one on the DL. But the week after that is the one year, which you know that I'm just going to say it right now, you and Ryan, you guys got to block off your calendar because we're going to literally have an hour of just conversation there. So that's what I want to do for the one year. I want to talk to two of my closest friends in this space and just you know, talk some shit, you know, talk, you know, shoot some shit. I'm dude, I'm down. I can't wait for that. And I'm excited to hear who this guest is. I've, I have some guesses, but I won't, uh, we'll wait. We'll see who it is. So, uh, where can everyone reach you? Where, you know, can people get in touch with the one, the only Harris Elliot? If sure. They want to? On Twitter, one penny podcast, Instagram, one penny at a time podcast. And you can look me up a uh, one penny at a time, a uh, Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Amazon, Amazon podcast, wherever it is, where, a- any podcast provider. Yeah, I'll have links to all those below and as well as a link to, was it Caleb Hammer? Yes. Um, You should watch one of his episodes and it's a complete S show, but it's worth the watch. Okay, we'll do. We'll do, man. So, hey, thank you once again. I'm looking forward to being on your pod and uh, being one of the friends of the show, man. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for doing this on Independence Day. Peace out. All right, everybody. We will see you in the next episode.